We are going to open the Word of God together today. What a privilege it is not to just come together for uh, some hyped up message of positivity. But how many know we need the power of God as revealed in the Word of God? So important. So uh, we're always learning and growing, and I love it that we're learning and growing together. Um, I, I, I've really thought about this during uh, worship, and I just want to kind of walk at the pace of the Lord as we, uh, you can open your, book, your Bibles to the book of Nehemiah. <clears throat> we'll get there. But I just thought about this last week. Um, Tracy and I were in a meeting, and there was a group of us there, <clears throat> and we just wanted to take some time before we met to talk about things and strategize about things and just listen together and pray. And I would encourage you to hear what I'm saying, maybe even attempting this with your friends, with your family. Just take time sometime and don't just pray over a meal and don't just pay a, pray a you know, quick little service prayer, but actually take time to listen and pray. Pretty easy. Just turn on a little bit of music <clears throat> and just cultivate an awareness of the atmosphere of God's kingdom and, uh, and then just listen for any promptings. I mean, it's just great to practice what God might say. And as we were in that setting, I just, I leaned back in my seat. I was sitting right next to Tracy, and she was leaned forward with her hands like this, and she started praying. And there was something that I saw that maybe I've not recognized before. And I want you to think about the way I, I, I'm going to explain this. Suddenly, Jesus, by his spirit, weaponized my wife. Like, there was something coming out of her because something was going into her by the Spirit of God that was releasing the kingdom of God, not only in the room, but possibly around the world. <clears throat> so my question is, do we really understand who we are? Do you understand the value of our worship? Do you, do you recognize that even the, the scripture I just read in Isaiah chapter 30, while we're worshiping in this room, there's a building over here, and there's a room over there, and the Lord himself is pounding with his right hand the enemies that are trying to sift our children, literally destroying enemies from attacking our kids as a result of our engaging in worship. We're not just singing patty cake songs. God wants to weaponize the body of Christ in this hour more than we have ever understood before. So may we understand that even in the reading of the word and the way we approach God's holy word, recognizing something happens when we uh, come together over his word. So the church-wide Bible study in the book of Nehemiah has been so refreshing for me. I have just enjoyed it. It's been challenging on many levels, but I just keep coming back over and over to I just feel the Lord's helped me personally as a Christian as well as a pastor, but as a Christian just to grow deeper in this time. And I pray that in continuation with you. This book, the book of Nehemiah, is tw approximately 2,500 years old, filled with eternal realities that point to ancient practices that are tested, tried, and true over the course of time to deepen our walk with God. Do you understand that? Like people have been walking for centuries according to these realities that we're studying and they have come to know God in a deeper way. How many of you want to grow deeper and know God in a more intimate way? 
And so what we want to do is examine those practices that we read about in Scripture. We're in Nehemiah chapter 10. It's been incredible just to see the, the, this is a rebuilding time. I believe God wants to rebuild the, the functional ruins of the modern-day church that exists today. We're functional, but we're in ruins, and, and God's trying to restore that. Jesus is reaching in, trying to help us all understand what it means to have an eternal mindset, to live life in light of eternity and so this the uh, city was in ruins the work of God was not uh, active <clears throat> in Nehemiah's day it had been 141 years and nobody had been worshiping nobody had been gathering nobody had been teaching the Word of God and society had deteriorate, deteriorated and declined as a result. But suddenly Nehemiah had a heart to come and rebuild the walls and reestablish the work of God. And as a result, we then read into chapters 1 through 7, all of that transpiring. Chapter 8, the word of God is now being read. The work of God is being established. Worship is taking place. Nehemiah 9, then we saw revival began to happen. An awakening of the human heart is what this world needs. The world needs an awakening of the human heart. Uh, do you understand? Like Jesus actually makes things better. You know what people need? They need Jesus. Like they don't just need an adjustment. They need a full-on overhaul. Like inside out, all brand new. He makes us brand new, changes everything about our desires. We can't explain it. Something in us begins to change. That's Nehemiah chapter 9. They're weeping. They're praising. They're lifting their hands. The reading of the word is taking place, and they're saying, amen, amen, with the lifting of their hands. God was doing a tremendous work in their lives, and they began to collaborate and cooperate with the atmosphere of God's kingdom that they were embracing, which was invading the world around them. And you and I are here today largely to celebrate the reality of what they were restoring in their day that would set the tone for our day. I'm going to get into some pretty intense stuff next week about uh, wickedness and evil in the world and even understanding Hamas and where that comes from in the lineage of Scripture and why we read in the book of Genesis uh, about a, a serpent that actually by the time we get to the book of Revelation has become a dragon. And that spirit of Antichrist is growing in the world in which you and I live today. And we need to understand it. We need to recognize it. And it's, in, it's incredible when you look back where the two streams came from that produced this, what many would call a holy war. And that's what we're talking about. And that's what was going on in Nehemiah's day. Same thing. Here we are back in Israel and the Babylonians and I mean all of the captivity had taken place and now they've restored and rejuvenated amazing things have happened God's work is being restored and now what we're going to read about in chapter 10 of this tremendous book of Nehemiah it's very significant for the season that we are in is we're going to read a ton of names if you're reading this as we're journeying and I encourage you to you know this is another one of those chapters that's a little bit like the Jewish phone book and you're reading all these names uh, I demonstrated what you do to open the Bible app and let it play the chapter uh, so that you can get the names right I won't even attempt it <clears throat> but what we're seeing in this particular chapter of chapter 10 is a list of the leaders of the families in Nehemiah's day that were making a bold public declaration 
that they are going to honor God. This would be the equivalent of a group of of, uh, destiny men, heads of households, single moms, leading our kids, whatever your dynamic is in our uh, day, you know, whoever's the head of the household, we, we have a head of household meeting, and all the head of households come into a meeting, and everybody says, we've not served the Lord the way we should serve the Lord, we're going to serve the Lord the way he desires for us to serve the Lord, and we're going to lead our families and our children and our relationships in serving the Lord with everything that we are, and we're going to make a public declaration and let everybody know that's where we are. That would be an exciting day, wouldn't it? Let's do that today. How about it? Let's just agree right now in Jesus' name. If, if you just agree in declaration of celebration, we are going to lead our families to honor the Lord Jesus Christ, to recognize God's Word as a supreme source of truth, even when it's uncomfortable. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. This is all about transformation that was happening in a society, and it doesn't happen in a society until it happens within the individuals. We sometimes want to work on this organizationally. Actually, the Lord is always at work individually. Church is only as strong as the individuals that were rising up with a heart and a passion to serve the Lord their God. With God, change happens from the inside out. This is not about me trying to convince you about certain behaviors and then you're going to behave a certain way so that we can represent God right. This is about all of us recognizing we're a train wreck without Jesus. And we surrender to him. He takes us from death to life. Has anybody come to a place of accepting Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior and it transformed you? Has anybody come to that place of making that decision? Like you went from death to life. This is hugely different. Something inside you begins to change. This isn't just a want or an external desire. Hopefully things get better. Something in me, I just don't, I, I listen, I'm fully capable of making huge mistakes. I admit that. But I just don't have it in me anymore to give myself fully to sin. Anybody else relate? Every time you start walking down that pathway, something inside you just gets train wrecked and you cannot go any further down that path. I've been down that way before. I'm not going down that way again. I had no interest in reading the Bible when I was not a Christian. I gave my life to Christ. I suddenly was convicted by the grace of God. I gave my life to Christ, and I suddenly wanted to read my Bible. And when I read my Bible, I wanted to read it some more. God changes us from the inside out. All of a sudden, I wanted to know, what does this mean? I started exploring and reading and asking God to help me. I had a hunger for God. I I was barely surviving. I was a college student, barely surviving financially. And suddenly I had a desire to start giving my money to the church. And I was just like, that's really strange. I never wanted to do that before. But what I realized was this was a place where I found God, and I want to do everything I can to help other people find God. So I began to, to volunteer. That was back in the days of the transparencies. Anybody remember those days? Worship, some of y'all are like, what's a transparency? A transparency is like a piece of paper that's transparent, and it's plastic, and you write the words. We bring sacrifice of praise to the house of the Lord, and then you have to move the transparency and put the next words on. It's not the push of a button that just digitally comes up on the screen. This was a transparency. I ran the transparency one time. 
Because I got too heated in worship. I would like, we bring the sacrifice of praise into the house. And that, like nobody's singing because I didn't change the transparency. I got in big trouble. You got to know where you're gifted. That was not my spiritual gift. <coughs> I wanted to just, all of a sudden, things began to change in my heart. Things began to transform. I wanted to publicly let people know I wanted to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. I came forward and made a decision for Christ. I was baptized in water so that everybody could see the demonstration of something that had so powerfully transacted in my life. Nehemiah chapter 10, after reading all the names of all the heads of households, this speaks of all those heads of households, as it says, they joined with their brothers, their nobles, and enter into a curse and an oath to walk in God's law that was given by Moses, the servant of God, and to observe and do all the commandments of the Lord, our Lord, and his rules and his statutes. They publicly were saying, we, in our marriages, in our friendships, in our families, in our children, in our household, we will obey God's word. We will obey God's word. Let's make a public declaration together, all together today. We will obey God's word. It's not always comfortable. Definitely not always popular. But we will obey God's word. What I'm saying is, I'm saying this for my wife and for my daughters. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I'm saying this for our church family. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. God's word is going to be open. God's truth is going to be spoken. And the world around us will deal with whatever they need to deal with. But we are not going to compromise the truth of God's word no matter how popular or unpopular it may ever become. Everybody ought to be celebrating a lot more than that because this is a day where that is under major attack. We will not bow. We will not compromise. We will obey God's word. They said we're going to bring all of our lives, everything, the resource of our existence under the supreme source of God's truth. Our schedules will honor the Lord. Our budgets will honor the Lord. We're going to read uh, about what would be that day's dating relationships the way it's described, will honor the Lord. Business practices will honor the Lord. Everything that what they're, what they're about to say, and we're going to read it, all these areas will all be sacred worship to God. Contrary to what your brain might think, there is not secular and sacred where there's a divide. There's no such thing. It is all sacred to him. Everything about your life, in him you live and move and have your being. Your work is worship to the Lord. Your relationships and the way you treat friendships around you, it's worship to the Lord. I'm going to be nicer to you than I could be without the Lord because that's my worship to the Lord. And when I'm not nice to you and I'm capable of not being nice to you, I'm going to repent to the Lord before I ask you for forgiveness because it's about the Lord. Everything is about this sacred disposition, worship. Right now, just my speaking and your responding, it's worship. Do you understand? It's worship. Lord, we just enter into a deeper understanding of this reality that your word is revealing for us to understand that would take us to a place of greater revelation of who you are in us and who we are in you.
and who we are together as the family of God. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. The Word of God is such a, such a vital part of learning to live life in a way that actually um, causes you and your future to flourish according to the kingdom. I don't know if you realize it or not, but we are 10 weeks away from a new year. I was kind of looking at that this week because what you probably should do, I, I'm doing this right now, I'm evaluating how has my Bible reading, Bible studying, Bible memorization, um, I've not been doing this yet, but I'm gonna, this is a 2024 goal of mine. I'm going to start writing entire portions of Scripture by hand in a digital world. I want to purpose a human moment. If I were Pastor A.T., I would use a quill pen like a little old man. He's online with us today. God bless you, Pastor A.T. But I'm going to, I just want to get my um, extremities involved. I want to get my, I want to get my hand involved. I want to get my eyes involved. I want to to be more engaged in the practice of rehearsing scripture. So I'm just going to start right, I'm going to get a notebook. And my goal in 2024 is to fill a notebook full. I'm going to start with the book of Ephesians. It's been on my heart so much lately. I just want to write the book of Ephesians several times. Just write it out. Think about what I'm writing and, and allow the Holy Spirit to do a work. How many of you know if you just get deeper in the Word? And so evaluate where you've been this last year and start to look at 2024. In a few weeks, we're going to talk about about a month or so in preparation for 2024. We believe in a New Year's revelation, not just a New Year's resolution. We all want to get better, but a New Year's revelation, not just what you want to better yourself in, but what does God want to do in the year that's ahead? And how can you devote yourself to that more readily? And that's exactly what's taking place in all of this. We're going to obey God's word and we're going to lead our families. This is the second declaration out of this. We will lead our families. Can we all say it together? We will lead our families. I want to be intentional about this. I don't want to just be haphazard about it. I just don't want to be... Uh, empty hopeful about it. I want to be engaged and intentional about truly leading my family forward in the things of God. This is where these individuals, the heads of households, were choosing to take responsibility. So listen very carefully. In humility and the fear of the Lord, they were going to lead their family. Do you understand that language? In humility, deference to him, in the fear of the Lord, I dare not. I was reflecting on this with Joseph uh, this last week. And you know, Joseph was in Potiphar's house, and Potiphar's wife comes up, and she says, hey, you're good looking, uh, you know, take off your clothes. And however the original language says it, I don't know. But, but, but he, like, is, you know, runs out of the place, and, and she grabs his robe, and you know, like, he gets in big trouble over this lie she tells. But he says these words. He said, the master of the house has entrusted everything to my care but you. And he tells his wife this, how could I dishonor the Lord? The master of the house did all of this. He knew that God gave him favor to be positioned where he was. He didn't say, he's given me all this, how could I dishonor him? It was bigger than that. 
He was living and serving the Lord his God. That when bad things came his way, he chose to serve the Lord. When good things came his way, he chose to serve the Lord. I just believe that we need to make a declaration like Joseph did. I'm going to get better. I'm not going to get bitter. Even when difficult, things time, difficult times come, I refuse to get better. I, choose, I refuse to get bitter. I choose to get better as I keep my worship to the Lord my God. How many know your marriage will grow stronger if you'll do what I just said? Your friendships will grow deeper if you'll do what I just said. Nehemiah chapter 10, verse 30. I like this. We will not give our daughters to the people of the land or take their daughters for our sons. You have to understand they were surrounded by captors who did not believe the way they believed. What they were saying was, we will only marry believers. We will only marry believers. I had a, a fellow dad in the room this morning come up to me and say, um, you know, I, I know your daughter's engaged to be married, and, and I've got a younger daughter. And he said, uh, you know, how'd you deal with that, like meeting this guy who's going to marry your daughter? And uh, and, and, and said, you know, talked about, you know, the typical dad response where the gun collection is out when the boy comes home and the, the conversation happens, you know. It was just an interesting dialogue, and it was such a sincere question that really uh, is such a real uh, question that needs to be asked. And I, and I simply said, you know what I did was, number one, I chose to be kind. Number one, my daughter cares for this person. <laughs> I'm talking about you, by the way. <clears throat> <laughs> because my daughter cares for this person, I chose to be kind. And while being kind, I also was very honest. And, and I said, hey, this is what we do in our house. We have something called family devotions. And everybody actually brings the Bible that they read on a regular basis to family devotions. And we talk about where we've been reading and what we've been sensing God is saying, you up for joining us for a family devotion sometime? You know what I was saying? I want to see your Bible, boy. <laughs> we will only marry believers. What they're saying is we as parents are going to be actively involved in the relationship formation that takes place with our children. We as parents need to be actively involved in the relationship formation that takes place with our children. I know you live in a society that tries to tell you that uh, you, know, you give your kids distance and give them rights and give them room and, and, and don't get in their way and don't get in their business. And, and, and let me just say to you, that is not a biblical idea. That is a cultural idea. It's contrary to God's kingdom. For our girls, they did have cell phones at a fairly early age in their teens, uh, and, and, and with their cell phones, I had access to everything. <clears throat> we had software on their phones. If they were getting text messages, I could see the text messages. How invasive is that of you? How irresponsible is it of you to put something in the hand of a child and not look in on anything that's taking place in their life? <clears throat> We will only marry believers. The formation of relationship with our children is so vital and so important. 
I don't know if you understand, the two most important decisions any person will ever make in their life is number one, to accept Jesus Christ where they go from death to life, and number two is who they marry. Those are the two most important decisions, and I'm definitely not going to leave my kids on their own hoping they get that right. I'm speaking into this. <clears throat> Let me give you some dating advice. Parents for your kids and daters if you're in the room or online. You can control who you date. Listen very carefully. You can control who you date. You cannot control who you fall emotionally in love with. If you find yourself interested in somebody that you don't believe loves the Lord and they would not make a good kingdom mate, a Christ-loving mate, I don't care if he's good-looking. My question is, is he going to read the Bible to the kids? Will he tuck them in at night and will he pray for them? I don't care if she's hot. If she doesn't love Jesus, you're marrying something crazy. You better be careful. I mean, I, I don't want to be too direct with this, but straight up, the Bible says in the book of Ephesians that the devil is at work in those who are disobedient. That means you are marrying the devil's offspring if they do not know the Lord Jesus Christ, and they're going to be at work in that house. Somebody better wake up. If you're dating somebody and they drug them here today and they don't want to be here, <clears throat> you might want to just tell them, I think it's over. <clears throat> the sad thing is I'm not kidding at all. You want to you talk about a complicated family dynamic? Two people with two different spiritual views trying to raise kids in a home who are trying to decide do they even believe in God? If they do believe in God, what does that even look like? And you got two voices that are the key voices that God has purposed to be speaking into their life, creating all kinds of chaos and confusion. Do not put your legacy through that. If you're there, let, let me just back up for a few steps. If you're there, you're mad at me maybe right now because I'm being too harsh. I want you to know, you're experiencing, I've been hearing the Lord say this over and over, I'm going to declare this right now, I just want you to receive it, I want you to, to receive it like, like they did in Nehemiah, I want to prepare you to say amen, amen, with the raising of your hands, the way they did in response to the word, because I hear the Lord saying it over and over, some of you all in broken family situations, your kids are confused, you've got chaos going on, I heard the Lord saying, <clears throat> waves of grief result from this. Waves of grief are being met with even greater waves of grace in Jesus' mighty name. Right now, waves of grief, come on, waves of grief are being met with even greater waves of grace in the mighty name of Jesus, in the mighty name of the Lord. Young people, invite your parents to give input and perspective. Old people, if you're dating, invite anybody to give input and perspective that loves the Lord. 
You need help. We all need help. Verse 31, y'all are taking too long. If the people of the land bring in goods or any grain on the Sabbath day to sell, we will not buy from them on the Sabbath or the holy day, and we will forego the crops of the seventh year and the exaction of every debt. What they're saying is we will conduct business biblically and ethically. We're going to honor the Lord. They're, they're pointing to the Sabbath. I want you to know I have virtually been silent about the Sabbath because I have been almost completely ignorant about the revelation of the Sabbath. God is beginning to deal with me personally about the revelation of the Sabbath. What that means is God is about to begin dealing with all of us pastorally about the Sabbath. I'm going to give you some revelation on the Sabbath in this next season as a part of what I know God's asking me to do, and you're going to have to do with that what you will, but you live in a society that bucks against and fights against and wars against the idea of Sabbath. But this is very important, and they're saying it. How many of you believe that if we would actually honor the Lord and the Sabbath and find a space of rest, we would be better in our lives? I believe that. How many of you believe if we actually put our business practices into a mode that honored the Sabbath, we would find the Lord's blessing on our business? Closed on Sunday, you my Chick-fil-A. I love that hymn. (laughs) Sonic... Uh, this is outdated stat, but Sonic, average Sonic produces about a million a year. The average McDonald produces about 1.5 million a year. Seven days a week they're running, seven days a week. Average Chick-fil-A, not one, not 1.5, 2.5 million a year running six out of seven, not seven out of seven. How many of you believe a blessed six is better than seven without the blessing? How many of you know this is the exact same concept of giving? A blessed 90 is way better than 100 without the blessing. This was their next declaration. Number five, they said, we will give generously. Verse 32 and following, we obligate ourselves. They're saying this publicly. We obligate ourselves to bring the first fruits of our ground and the first fruits of all the fruit of every tree year by year to the house of the Lord. Also to bring to the house of God to our priests who minister in the house of our God the firstborn of our sons, of our cattle. It's written in the law and the firstborn of our herds and of our flocks and and to bring the first of our dough and our contributions, the fruit of every tree, the wine and the oil to the priests to the chambers of the house of our God and to bring to the Levites the tithes of our ground for it is the Levites who collect the tithes in in our towns where we labor. Verse 39, we will not neglect the house of God. We've come together and rebuilt the walls and established the work of God. We will not neglect the house of God. Money in our society does not go for good things. Do you realize that? But money in the hands of God's family actually does go for good things. Like that's part of our worship. We say God increases and I honor the Lord. Tithing is not an Old Testament concept. It's, it's reiterated in the Old Testament. It happened before the Old Testament was ever given. 
Before the law was ever given, Abram's tithing to Melchizedek and the blessing of God rests upon him. And then the law reiterates and then Jesus comes and he says, you shouldn't neglect the matter of the tithe. He said that. He, he said, I didn't come to do away with the law. I came to fulfill the law. I came to awaken the law within us. You still don't lie. How many of you know don't lie is an Old Testament thing? It's like for real. It's, for, it's, a, it's a real thing. It still is. Don't commit adultery. It's not an Old Testament thing. I realize it's in the Old Testament, but it's not just an Old Testament thing. We still don't commit adultery. What we want to do is honor the Lord with our giving as an expression of worship. There's a news report a few years ago about a, a coffee shop that uh, giving, by the way, tithing, it's kind of like this pay-it-forward plan, you know? Like we landed in a room maybe similar to this where we gave our lives to Christ and we didn't have to pay anything. Aren't you glad it was free? But it really wasn't free. Somebody before you paid for you to have what it was you were given. And then you get to be a part of the pay-it-forward plan because there's some more people coming. And, and like I was looking at this, there's this news report that talked about a coffee shop experienced 11 hours of pay it forward, 378 customers. Isn't that crazy? For 11 hours, each customer, like somebody started it and they said, I'm going to pay for mine and for that guy. And then the next customer came and they said, that car in front of you paid for you. Do you want to pay for the one behind you? And they said, yeah, that's great. 378 customers did this. I want to know who was number 379. <laughs> Jerk. <laughs> Messed it all up. <laughs> the pay it forward plan is what this is like. Do you get this? Like Christians fund ministry so others can learn about Jesus and become Christians as well. I, I want to encourage you. Learn to give as an attitude of worship. At once upon a time, we stopped passing buckets because we just felt like you can't take someone's tithe. I'm not going to take it. You should give it. Yeah. Yeah. And so this is how you can give. You can text uh, that. You can give on the giving station. You can give on the app. But do it out of an attitude of worship. The Lord has blessed us. Aren't you glad you're blessed? He didn't just give you that blessing so that you could just celebrate being blessed. He gave you that blessing so you can help others come into a greater understanding of who Jesus truly is. These heads of households are ultimately saying, we're going to worship our God and lead our families in worshiping our God as our way of life. Will you say that today? Your action point this week is pretty simple. Just continue reading Nehemiah. I'm going to ask if the worship team will come. We're going to receive communion all together, so don't get too um, ready to, to run. I, there's something I want to share with you about this. But let's continue reading Nehemiah. We've got three more chapters in this book. Are you all making the marathon? It's been rich. God's stirring some powerful, powerful things through this. I'm, I'm almost 100%, but I know, I'm sorry, I'm sniffling. People keep trying to hand me tissues, but I'm just kind of leaving it all in for now. <laughs> Sometimes I say things, I like to look over at Tracy and just watch her go. <laughs> Continue to read Nehemiah daily, asking the Holy Spirit to awaken all of our hearts to God's eternal... Will you pray for me? Will you pray for your brothers and sisters? that God would awaken all of our hearts to his eternal purposes. Invite your family or your community 
to share in doing what we saw these heads of household do in Nehemiah chapter 10, make public personal commitments. This is where I am. This is where I'm going. This is what I'm going to commit to. And I want to ask you today to prepare your heart to receive communion. And I want to just share something with you. Um, as I'm evaluating Sabbath and practices, I'm starting to get more and more convicted about what all this is to look like, and, and this is what we're going to talk about after we get out of Nehemiah, what were the practices of Jesus, and, and how do we follow him as our rabbi? Like, that's what we should be doing, actually. His practices should become ours. This is the thing I want you to understand. When we're reading about Jesus and, and hearing the stuff he tells, like, we, it would serve us well to recognize Jesus actually is Jewish. And so where he's coming from is a uniquely Jewish perspective. And, and, and as we receive communion today, I want you to think about something. I, I started kind of reading this, looking it up, but the Jewish wedding tradition is so remarkable. So let me run you through it just real quick before we get the cup and, and we come back because the cup is really significant. Jesus is talking about the cup. The cup was something incredibly significant theologically. I mean, we could go into the, there were four cups, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and then the promise cup, and nobody ever turned that promise cup over. They would say, the blessing of the cup, this is Old Testament, blessing of the cup of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and the Messiah had not yet come. So they would go back to the promised son, Isaac, and they would drink from that cup in preparation for the one who would later come. That's theologically the cup was significant. Philosophically, this is amazing. Because the, during biblical times, the Jewish tradition was if a man wanted to marry a woman, he would go with his father, the man would go with his father to the bride's house to talk to the bride and the bride's father. The dads were involved. As they would go, they would actually negotiate a bride price. This is a really good idea for marriages. I'm not focusing on anybody specifically. <laughs> they would negotiate a bride price. It would be a sacrificial price that this father and this son, you hear the language, a sacrificial price that this father and this son would negotiate for the bride, for the valuable bride of this, this father. Sacrifice. Everybody say sacrifice. There'd be a sacrificial bride price that would be negotiated. The young man's father, after the negotiation had taken place and there was conversational agreement, this is so important. The young man's father would take his cup of wine that was prepared for the negotiation and hand his cup of wine to the son. The son would take the cup from the father And he would turn and offer it to the woman. And I'm reminded of Jesus in the garden saying, Father, if this cup can pass, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. The Father was giving him the cup of the sacrificial bride price that was going to have to be paid. And the young man would take the cup from the Father and he would present it to this lovely young woman. He would say, I love you. I offer my life for you. I've given a sacrificial 
uh, expression to your father, will you marry me? And if the bride took the cup, she was accepting his offer for her to become one with him. And if she rejected the cup, she was refusing the sacrificial nature of that which he was offering to take her with him. If she took the cup and she drank from the cup, she said yes. And in that moment, they did not have a celebration. The young man would leave to go prepare a place for her, to go prepare their home. And it was unknown how long he would be gone. She would have to be ready. And the, 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 the bridegroom would give gifts to the bride. Isn't this beautiful? And the gifts were given to the bride to help the bride prepare herself for the coming of the groom. Not knowing when he would come, she just knew that she had to use those gifts in preparation to be ready at any time. And usually within a year, could last a year, he would come back and it would be a mighty procession. There would be torches and fire and a blasting of the trumpet. And the bridegroom would come to the door. And the bride had to be ready. And he would simply say, come. And if she had prepared her heart and was ready, in that moment she would respond and in the twinkling of an eye. In the twinkling of an eye, the wedding feast would begin. I believe that Jesus, knowing all of this, when he says, here's the cup, he's saying, will you drink? So I want to ask if you just stand and, and make your way. There's communion here, communion here, communion there. And, and, and I want you to go, don't start yet, but if you would, just get, get the cup and come right back to your seat just as quickly as you can. shake it a little I have a question for you Jesus and his father have negotiated a great price and Jesus gave his life and he died to invite you to be a part of the bride of Christ and what that really means and my question to you is do you want to receive his offer and drink from that cup and become one with him? Do you want that? 
If you've made that decision, we're reiterating that conclusion that we've already made. If you've not made that decision, today is the day for you to make that decision and say, Jesus, you came, you lived, you died, you're risen from the grave, you died on the cross, but this world couldn't hold you. You came to life and I accept you've given your cup and I will drink that cup and I will live a life that's in surrender to the cross of Jesus Christ and I will follow your ways all the days of my life. Decisions that I'm making right now that are contrary to your word. I not only repent from them, I turn away from them, and I ask you, Lord, to help me to have the grace to walk this thing out in Jesus' mighty name. If you agree with that, why don't you say amen? Come on, open up the elements of communion. The sacrificial price that he, pray, that he paid was his broken body so we receive the broken body as the sacrifice for our sins and we receive the cup as we say lord we take your cup we accept your offer to salvation we thank you lord for what this means in jesus mighty name come on with your hearts open wide would you take eat and drink in celebration of the goodness of god if our prayer team would uh, come forward and be available we're just going to take a couple of minutes we're not going to be controlled by the clock and I'm just wrestling with and, and let me just say something I understand recently there was a service that went a little longer and and it a few people maybe voiced some frustration <clears throat> I want to ask you to let me pastor you as I say to you, let's make room. Let's don't come together and feel like we need to rush through anything. Purpose your schedule to give yourself just a little room because we really want to honor this king of all kings who paid this great price to invite us into a deeper place. And right now, this moment of worship actually is impactful for our kids, for our lives, for our legacy, for ways beyond our wildest imagination. We'll be aware of and try to be considerate of. But come on, would you just engage just for a couple of minutes, just your whole heart in this expression of worship to the Lord our God before Pastor Tabitha comes to close.